this week, but I hear the floodgates may have already been opened up. So we'll uh, pray that continues. Sadly, 
Riverside Baptist Church. We are so glad that you are here. Uh, some of you, maybe this is the thousandth time that you've been here if you're keeping track. Some of you, it's your time. If this, if this is your first time, we want to extend a special welcome to you. Uh, inside the bulletin is a place for you to fill out some information about yourself and your family. Um, if you want to learn more about the church or uh, about what it looks like to follow Christ uh, or about discipleship classes, you can indicate that. There's also a place on the back um, to, uh, to write down prayer requests. If you are here this morning and you are unsure if you have a relationship with Jesus Christ, the most important thing that takes place this morning is that when you, you know that you have a relationship with Jesus. And if you're not sure what that looks like or how it happens um, and you're still unsure after the sermon, please see somebody and ask, hey, how can I follow Jesus Christ? As always, please pay attention to the bulletin. We have a bridal shower this afternoon. Uh, the senior friends are going to eat on Tuesday at 11 a.m. So if you are a senior and have not signed up, what is going on? Sign up before you leave and come be a part of that. Um, be at the church by 11 if you want to ride the bus. This morning we are going to be in 1 John chapter 1, verses 5 through 9. So the reading the scripture, or the praying the scripture, comes from verse 9. And it says this. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we confess our sins. So this morning as we fall on this verse and pray this verse, let us use this next minute or so to come humbly before the Lord and to say, God, is there any sin in me? And if there is, name it, and may I confess it. So would you pray this verse right now?
okay this morning? Yep. Look up. What do you see up there? Anything? Lights. Good job. What are you, outside? There's been raining for a couple of days, but what is it outside? If you were to describe the weather, it's light. It's bright. It's good. Yes. Um, you know that uh, on the when we open up our Bible first things that we encounter. Uh, we see that God created the heavens and the earth, and on day one, he said, let there be what? Light, good. I gave you some clues heading into that. That's right. If you open the gospel of John, that word shows up a lot. Light. Light is very good. What does light help us do? What? Light helps us see. That's right. That's right. Now, when you get a little bit older in school, you're going to find out that it helps plants grow. Okay? Did you know that? All right, well, good. You can tell your teacher about this. All right. So light helps us see, right? So what is on this paper? Oh, there's something on this paper. I just sat right there and, uh, and drew something on this paper. What's on there? What? Oh, it's invisible ink. Well, how are we going to see it? A special kind of light. All right. You're going to have to gather a little closer, so come in. Now, unless you've been, you know, maybe we should wear masks or something. But, all right. We'll gather in. Now, let's see what we see here. You see anything right there? Oh, what was that? What's that? It's a house, but it's got something on the top. What is it? It's a church. That's right. What's down here? Smiley face. Now, I thought, you, I thought you said there was nothing on this paper. Now, what's over here? Let's see. I'm glad you thought of the sun because that's what I tried to draw. Mm -hmm. All right, and then what's that? Flower. A flower. And then what's right here in the middle? Cross. A cross. Well, that's it. It's on the paper. Uh, that's all I drew. All right, hold on, I got it. Everybody sit down for just a minute. Let's talk about this. So, yes, this is some special kind of ink, and you can scribble on it, and you can't see it, but then if you, if you shine the light on it, it shows up. But... Special kind of light to see what's there. Well, today, listen, light does help us see things. You know, the Bible also says that God is light. We're going to talk about that in just a minute. No, let me hold the pen. I know it belongs to you, but you said I could borrow it this morning, okay? So, God is light, and in Him is no darkness. There's no darkness at all. That God is light. When we come to Him, His light shines in us, and, and, and when we Christians, his, his light shines through us. That means that, you know, the Bible talks about things that are dark as well. It talks about sin, things that are offensive to God. But when it is to us, you know, one of the things it does, somebody said light helps us see. God's light helps us see the darkness of sin that's in our life. But, you know, we don't want to just leave it there. That's why I drew a picture of the cross here. Because when we see that sin, it ought to, we ought to get rid of it. So the only way we can get rid of sin is take it to the cross. That Jesus has done something for us. But you know, we first find out when God's light shines in us. And so we're going to pray today that God's light will shine in us and that God's light will shine through us and people will be drawn to him. Okay? okay. Father, thank you for this picture we have of light. God, that you are light. Uh, there's no darkness in you. And so, Lord, I, my prayer for the children that are right here and for everyone in this room, really, is to let your light shine in our heart. It will reveal those sinful things in our lives, and we can 
we know that you love us and we can give those to you. And God, that your light will shine so bright through each and every one of us. May we take this, the light out of this place today and, and share it. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Let's stand once again. Sing the wondrous love of Jesus. standing in honor of the reading of God's holy and inspired word and open your Bibles if you will to 1st John chapter 1 if you did not bring a Bible this morning please take one that's there the chair in front of you or beside you and follow along 1st chapter 1 reading verses 5 this is the word of the Lord is the message that we have heard from him and proclaim to you that God is light and in him is no darkness at all. If we say we have fellowship with him while we walk in darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sin. If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. If we confess sins he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness if we say we have not sinned we make him a liar and his word is not in us oh god you are light and you have revealed yourself to us 
you have spoken. And this morning as we read your words spoken to us, Lord, we pray that your light would shine into the darkness of our lives. Show us our sin. And may we cling to our sin, Jesus Christ, as we confess that sin, knowing that his blood has covered up our sins. Speak to us, Father, we pray in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, amen. You may be seated. So back when I was in high school, uh, we went with our youth group to Mammoth Caves, which is in Kentucky. And so you get to go there and you get to tour uh, a couple different caves. And on that particular day, our youth group, which is about 50 or 60 youth, we went into one particular cave. And so pretty much our group was group because we were so large and there was a tour guide and he led us into the cave and we got a, a little ways back there where we could no longer see the light from the outside and and there was lights on in the cave and the tour guide had us gather all around and he gave us a heads up thankfully he said I'm about to turn off these lights and I don't know if you have ever experienced darkness I mean I know when you close your eyes it's pretty dark but a little bit of light the first time of my life, I actually experienced darkness, and it was terrifying. Because the the reality is, if for some reason those lights don't come back on, deep deep trouble. Like I literally, people standing right next to you, and you thought you were the only one in there. It was that dark. And then thankfully, our tour guide lit. And just that small lantern lit up that cave. And you were like, thank you, God, for the light. Like we can see daddy. You know, thankfully, they turned the lights back on. But I've never forgotten that darkness. And in the midst of that darkness, there was light. And in our text this morning, beginning in verse 5, John is continuing with what he talked about, as we saw last week, that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God. He's proclaiming this message. This is God in the flesh, the incarnation. He's writing that we may have fellowship with Christ. He's writing that we may have joy. And so what he's about to do, just a quick overview before we get into the five things I want you to see, is what he's going to do first is, is he's going to give us a theological doctrine statement. He's going to tell us something of who God is. And what he says to us is that God is light. So this morning, I want us to understand you must have a right understanding of who God is, and he is light. And out of that statement, John then goes on to record six if-we statements. So verse 6, verse 7, verse 8, verse 9, verse 10, and then chapter 2, verse 1, he says, if we, six statements, we're going to look at the first four this morning, we're going to look at the last two next week. Four issues that we're going to look at this morning. And here's the reality. Three of them are negative. Three of them are positive. And so in light of God being light, practical implications for us. The practical implication is this. I better take sin seriously. So this may not be, of all the message you'll hear preach, this may not be one of your favorites. Because I'm going to call every single one of us to take our sins seriously because God is light. So notice five things. You're going to be like, man, Pastor, you were really creative in your points. I tried to be directly from the scripture. 
So here's the first thing I want you to notice. Number one, God is light and in him is no darkness at all. God is light and in him is no darkness at all. So we start in verse five. This is the message. This is the message that we have heard from him and proclaim all to you. That, phrase, that, that word message is tying back into verse three where John is proclaiming. What are they proclaiming? They're proclaiming a message what? That we have heard. We have heard from him from Jesus and proclaimed to you. Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God. John saw him, touched him, looked intently upon him, but John also heard him. The message he heard from him, he now proclaims to us, and he simplifies that message, and this is what he says, that God is light, and in him is no darkness at all. So right here we have a first contrast that we see in the letter of John, light versus darkness. Stated positively, God is light. Now, there are three times between the Gospel of John and 1 John where John makes a statement such as God is. In John 4, verse 24, he says God is spirit. In 1 John chapter 4, verse 8, John says God is love. Here in chapter 1, verse 5, he says God is love. This light motif appears in Scripture. In Exodus 3, Moses experiences God as a what? A fire. In the bush, putting off light, a fire. In Exodus 13, 21, God's presence is as fire, right? That the, the pillar of fire by night as he leads his people to the wilderness. There is, there's this fire that we see. In Numbers 8, 1 through 4, as the instructions for the tabernacle, God's presence is signaled with fire as you have these lampstands in tabernacle. In John 8, 12, Jesus says, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. And John 1, we read, in him was life, and the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness does not overcome it. God is light. And the nature of light is to reveal. So I can see you this morning, and you can see me which maybe is not a good thing, depending on your perspective, right? You can see me because of what? Light, right? The sun is shining. Praise God for that. We have the lights turned on. But if we had no light, it would be dark and we couldn't see. So light revealed. God is light. And the nature of God is to make himself known. Aren't you thankful this morning that we weren't left to grope around in the darkness trying to find our way to God? But God as light has come to us, and he has revealed himself to us. So John states it positively, God is light, and then he states it negatively. And in him is no darkness at all. I love how the Greek literally reads. Literally, the Greek, if you're translating this in Greek, says this. Darkness in him, no, is not. Kind of sounds like how Yoda. Right, darkness, no, is not. Something like it says, and darkness, no, is not. Now we wouldn't speak that way. No, is not. But in Greek, that is a double negative, an emphatic double negative. Translation in English is no darkness at all. He is trying to emphasize that there is no darkness, zero darkness at all in God. So if God is light, if that is a true statement, then the opposite can't be true. Right, so if God is light, then God also can't be darkness because he, there is no darkness in God. 
If God is holy, then God cannot be sinful. And we know God is holy. He is perfect. God is light. And in him is no darkness, no evil, no error, imperfection. God is not like us. He is different than us, other than us. We lie. We break promises. We are unfaithful. We always be trusted. We are evil, but God is truthful. He is faithful. He is trusted. He is holy. Hear me. God is not the man upstairs. God is not the good buddy in the sky. Jesus, as the t-shirt says, is not your homeboy. God is holy. So we want to speak of him in a way that is reverent. He is holy. And yet this God desires to be known. God is light. And in him is no darkness at all. So, of all the things John could have said, he heard a lot. Jesus taught a lot. Why does John, John focus on this? And to say God is light. Because in light of the false teaching that is going on, that he's he wants to make it clear who God is, and he wants us to understand there are implications for that in our lives as to how we live. And here's the implication. Because God is light, because he has revealed himself to us as holy, we better take sin seriously. So the second thing I want you to notice is this. God is light. So to claim to know him and yet walk in is to be both telling and living a lie. So John has given a theological statement. Now in light of that, what does he say? Well, he begins this if we say section. So the first if we say is in verse 6. If we say, so the false teachers are claiming certain things to be true. They are saying this is true. John is now refuting that. So in verse 6, he refutes their false understanding of sin. If we say, Verse 6, we have fellowship with him while we walk in darkness. We lie and do not practice the truth. They are claiming, these false teachers, fellowship with God. But it's not enough just to claim fellowship with God. Rather, John says you must walk in it. So the question becomes, are these teachers walking in fellowship with God? John says no. What are they walking in? Darkness. If we say fellowship with him while we walk in what? Darkness. They're walking in darkness. This Greek phrase, while we walk in darkness, is in the present tense. It's speaking to a continual practice. They are living in sin. They are living for the world. Gary Burge writes, these opponents were not darkness. They were living lives of darkness. So here's the question. Can we claim to have fellowship with God and continue to live in darkness in a path of ongoing habitual sin with no repentance? Is it possible? Well, John clearly does he not. He says, if you claim to have fellowship with him while you walk in darkness, you lie and do not practice the truth. What does John say about this claim? He says, you're lying. You're lying and you are not practicing the truth or to state it differently, telling and living a lie. 
So what then are they lying about? Well, they are claiming to have fellowship with God. They are claiming to be Christians. And yet John says, if you continue to live in darkness, your claim is a lie. You do not know Jesus. You are not in fellowship with God. John is teaching that we can't claim to have fellowship with God and live in darkness. Maybe you think you can. Maybe you bought into the lie of the world or the watering down of the word of God that you can come to God, you can say a prayer, walk an aisle, you can get that get out of hell for free card and you can continue to live your life however you want. John Stott calls fellowship with God on easy terms. Dietrich Bonhoeffer calls it easy grace. And that's what the false teachers wanted. And maybe that's what you want. You want the assurance that when you die you're going to be with Jesus but at the same time you want to live your life how you want to live it you want to live in that sin you want to do what you want to do you don't care if the word of God calls it sin you're going to do it anyways hear me you can come to God but you cannot come on your terms you come to God on his terms and he is a holy God and sin cannot be in the presence of a holy God because you and I claim to know Christ, we no longer live in darkness, but we've been delivered from that darkness. So he is refuting this idea that you can have fellowship with God of however you want. Then he comes to verse 7 and he gives the correct understanding. Here's the third thing I want you to notice. God is light. So walk in the light, live in fellowship with one another, and know the blood of Jesus cleanses you of all he say there in verse 7 but if there's the second if statement but if we walk in the light as he is in the light we have fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus his son cleanses us from all sin darkness of living in sin when we talk about living in darkness we're talking about being ruled realm of evil he says now that we are to walk in the light that means under the controlling desire for God, the realm of godliness. Those of us who claim fellowship with God, we have been saved and changed. We've been brought into the light. Now we begin to live with the desire for God. And then he, then he says something that catches you off guard. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. Now I don't know about you, but I would extend him to say, we have fellowship with God. Because in the previous verse, he just claiming to have fellowship with God. So now I would expect him to say, walk in the light as he is in the light, and you have fellowship with God. So why in the world does he, instead of saying that, instead we have fellowship with one another? Let me ask you a question. As Christians, as followers of Christ, should we be separate from should we, now having believed in Jesus, be set apart from the world? Shake your head this way. If you're going this way, you need to, we need to continue to do this, right? Yes, we are to be separate through Christ, separate from the world. Because light and darkness can't coexist. Let me ask you another question. Should we as Christians, now that we've been set apart, now that we're walking in light, be separate from one another? Shake your head this way. No. Yes, we've been set apart from the world. But to live in the light, to walk in the light, 
now means we will walk in fellowship with one another. And that's why John writes what he does. It's obvious we'll have fellowship with God, right? But to have fellowship with God means you have fellowship with one another. Colin Cruz writes, there is no real fellowship with God, which is not expressed in fellowship with other believers, right? We're in set apart so now we walk together as believers and then he says this and the blood of Jesus his son cleanses us from all sin well church this is the reality for us as Christians this is the reality for every one of us who claims to have fellowship with God our sins all of them John says have been covered by blood of Jesus Christ Jesus suffered for our sins he died for our sins and he was raised for our sins and you and I need to be confronted with that reality this morning and if you're not taking sin seriously as a follower of Christ you need to start taking it seriously because the very same sins that you keep committing over and over and over are the very sins that Jesus Christ shed his blood to give you of. Did God take sin seriously? Yes. Jesus Christ died for those sins. So to keep saying, well, I keep doing this, I'm going to keep living this way, it's not a big deal, is to keep committing the very sins that Jesus died for, paid for, and by being raised from the dead, delivered you from. He shed his blood for you. There's a, a new uh, group that I've started listening to lately called City A Light. It's one City A Light. Uh, they're kind of like Hillsong, uh, but deeper theology. And so they've got a song called Yet Not I, But Christ in me, Christ Through Me. And I was listening to it this morning. You ever see me driving down the road and I'm singing and acting crazy just because I'm worshiping? And that's what's going on. So I was worshiping this morning here and the third verse of this song says no fate I dread I know I am forgiven the future sure the price it has been paid for Jesus bled and suffered for my pardon and he was raised to overthrow the grave to this I hold my sin has been defeated Jesus now and ever is my plea oh the chains are released I can sing I am free yet not I but through Christ we are free, church. So John says you cannot claim to have fellowship with God and live in sin. That is false. Rather, you will begin to walk in the light as God is light. You'll begin to have fellowship with one another, and you will understand all your sins have been covered through the blood of Jesus Christ. And that changes the way we live. Number four. He comes to the second if we say statement that they are claiming. Number four. Understand that God is light. So to refuse to admit that we sin is to deceive ourselves to show that the truth is not in us. So the first group was sinning. They didn't care. They thought they could have fellowship with God. But now we come to a different group of people here, and this is what they If we say, verse 8, if we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves in the truth in us. The Greek reads, if we say that sin not we have. If we say sin not we have. Speaking in the present tense, if we have no sin presently in us. So maybe you walked into this place and you were thinking, you know what? 
God, I don't have any sin in me right now. There's no sin in me that needs to be confessed, needs to be repented. I'm a good person, but I'm, I'm, I'm doing all the good things. There's no sin in me. John says, if you are claiming that presently there is no sin in you, you deceive yourselves and the truth is not in you. If we deny that we are presently sinning, John says you are deceived and the truth is not in you. Remember, Jesus said, I'm the way and the what? Truth. There's no truth in you. You see, as Christians, as those who have been saved by the grace of God, as those in fellowship with God, we should strive to sin less. Two words, sin less. But we won't be sinless. One word. You and I should strive to sin less, but no one in this room can claim this morning to be sinless. John Piper writes, the mark of the saint is not sinlessness, but sin consciousness. So what happens to us when we begin to get the big head? When somebody says to you, hey, any sins that you need to repent of, you're like, no, I can't think of any. What happens when we begin to think that we have arrived spiritually as these Gnostics believe they had arrived spiritually? What happens? Well, we know we're deceived. We know the truth is not in us. But here's what all happens. We become part of the spiritually elite. We become proud. We become arrogant. We become holier than thou become very quick to spot the sin in Curtis's life but you can't see the own sin in yours oh you become really quick to my life and say well you shouldn't be doing that you should be doing this or you, you become really quick to point out the flaw in everyone else's life and yet you can't see the own sin in your life because you think there is none there's a story of Charles Wesley he had a lady come up to him and this woman said, Mr. Charles, I am a sinner. I am a Christian, but I sometimes fail so dreadfully. Pray for me. Wesley looked at her and said, Yes, madam, I will pray for you, for truly you are a great sinner. To which she answered, Well, what do you mean? I have never done really anything wrong in my life. You see, she came believing, giving lip service, that she was a great sinner. And when Charles Wesley called her on it, yes, you are, she got defensive. Well, wait, there's no great sin in me. Every one of us this morning has sin in our lives. Whether you are a believer in Christ or not, you are still wrestling with sin. So what do we do with it? Well, here's what they were doing. They were denying it, hiding it, concealing it. But what does John say that we are to do with it? Number five, God is light. So confess your sin. Receive forgiveness of sins and know your unrighteousness has been exchanged for the righteousness of Christ. How do we deal with sins? John say in verse 9, if we, this is the fourth if statement, if we confess our sins. John is saying you are denying sin, instead you should be confessing sin. See, the Gnostics, this, this group of false teachers were all about secrecy. They believed that God had revealed a secret knowledge to them that the apostles and other Christians had not received. It was secret. They had it. Others didn't. They felt themselves superior. And what is John saying? 
He's saying, no, God is light. Nature, God has made himself known. There is not a secret knowledge that you possess, but God has revealed the truth to us. In the same way, though there should be no secrecy, sin, but it should be confessed. So here's what I challenge you to do this morning. I want you to be open and honest and just confess your sins to God. Some of you are saying, hey, Pastor, that's what I, I did that this morning. Confessing sins is a part of my day life. It's part of my pattern. Praise God, continue to confess those sins. But right now, I'm talking to those of you, maybe this is your first time in church, or maybe you're not really familiar with this whole forgiveness thing, and here I'm telling you to be open and honest and confess your sins. And maybe you're thinking, wait a minute, Pastor, if I do that, how can I be sure that this God will forgive me? You're telling me that I'm to vulnerable, that I'm to come before this holy God who is light and confess my sin, and you expect me to believe that he can forgive not the little sins, but the sins I've ever committed. How can I know that? Look what it says in 1 John, in old church, may we take hold of this because this is good we confess our sins he is now again we might expect him to say he is gracious to forgive all right well god's a gracious god but that's what he says what does he say if we confess our sins he is faithful and just oh church this is good god is faithful well how do we know that if we confess our sins god will forgive them because he is faithful. And what John is saying there is this. God is true to his word. And whatever God has promised to do, he must do because he is faithful. So what did God promise to do in Jeremiah 31, 34? He says this. For I will, not may, for I will forgive their iniquity and I will remember their sin no more. When God utters those words, God is now obligated to forgive all sins that have been confessed. That's news for you. So you say, wait a minute, Pastor. I've got sins in my life that my wife doesn't know about, my kids don't know about, that my parents don't know about. You're telling me God will forgive me. Yes, because that's who he is. That's who he is. So come to God this morning with all of your sin, with all of your guilt, and lay it before him, trust in Jesus Christ, and be saved, and be forgiven. But he says something else. Not only is he faithful, but he is just. See, a day's coming in which every single one must stand before God, a holy God. And when you get into the presence of God, holy God, looking at your sin, cannot say, well, today's your lucky day. I'm going to sweep all of your sin under the carpet I'm going to turn a blind eye to your sin just come on into heaven you died on a good day I'm gracious today God cannot because he is holy just let your sin go he can't ignore sin all sin must be dealt with either by me and by you or by somebody else well you can't you can't deal with my sins. You've got sins yourself. 
you can't walk into the presence of God and say, hey, I'm here to help Aaron with his sins when you are full yourself. And so God had to deal with sin. So God being just deals with sin. How? Through his son, Jesus Christ. Jesus, through his sacrificial death on the cross, by taking the wrath of God and the punishment that you deserved, dealt with sins once and for all. He lived the life I couldn't live. He is perfect, I am not. He died the death that I deserved on the cross. And he rose from the grave to give deliverance and victory over sin. He is faithful and he is just. He has dealt with our sins in his son, Jesus Christ. Ligon Duncan writes, Abba, Father, forgive me because of your promise and because of your son. He forgives us our sins, means to no longer people's sins against them. He cancels their debt, and notice this, and he cleanses us from all unrighteousness. That word just in the Greek is dikaios. That word unrighteousness is basically the same word it just adds the alpha in front of it. So righteous just is dikaios, unrighteous is adikaios. So when Jesus Christ died for me, he took my adikaios, my unrighteousness, he removed the alpha, and he gave me his righteousness. It's not my righteousness that I claim. The best I have to offer God is as filthy rags. I, when I stand before God, don't plead my righteousness, but rather I plead the righteousness of Christ. The just one has forgiven me. So here's the truth as we begin to wrap up. God is light. One of us in this room needs to take our sin seriously. Don't deny it. Don't keep living in it. But confess it right now ask the spirit of God to bring those sins that maybe you're aware of and maybe you are not aware of to your mind and confess them and then forsake them church we can't keep walking in darkness and claim to have fellowship with God and to be honest with you, we want to why would we want to so this morning if I had here on the table and I don't but if I had gravel and diamonds, the reason I couldn't do this illustration is because I had no diamonds. I could have found plenty of gravel. But if this morning I had on this table gravel and diamonds, and I said to you, come forward and take a handful of whichever one you wanted. If you walked up here and took gravel and put it in your pocket and left the diamonds, I only have one conclusion. Well, maybe two. You're really, really foolish. But the first thing I'm going to think is you're blind. You just can't see. You can't see this is gravel and this is diamonds. Church, sometimes that's how we live our life. Our God is far superior to sin and the things of the world. But he's offering us diamonds, and yet we're running after we're running after the very thing that destroys us and that Jesus died for. Martin Lloyd-Jones in his book, Fellowship with God, writes about man's greatest problem. He says it is self-centeredness. 
self-centeredness. I think it was last week. Um, I got a little frustrated with one of my children. It was the older one. Um, he's a teenager, right? It happens. And in my frustration, as I was buckling Malachi into the car seat, said something, no curse words, nothing like that. I said something under my breath that hurt my old son and cut him deep. In that moment, right, when I'm aware of that, right, the pride in you wants to say, well, you deserved it. Right? Don't act this way. But as the Spirit of God begins to convict you, you realize just how wretched and sinful you are. And how even your pastor is in the constant need of the grace of Jesus Christ. That none of us advances beyond that. That we are all capable of sinning and we need forgiveness. And so on Wednesday of this week, sitting in my office and I read this quote by Martin Lloyd-Jones. And I had to get and shut the door and I had to fight back to tears and I couldn't shake it. And this is what he said. The way to be delivered from self-centeredness is to stand in the presence of God. If you want to be delivered from your self-centeredness, then just be still and stand in the presence of God. Church, we are in the very presence of God this morning. God is here. And He is moving in your hearts and in your lives. Every one of us has sin that needs to be dealt with. What are we going to do with that sin? Let us this morning confess it and to forsake it and to understand the blood of Jesus has covered you and begin to live in that freedom and in that hope. And this morning, if you have never believed in Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior of your life, there's never been a moment where you have confessed your sinfulness have come to the cross for the first time and asking Jesus to save you, then I pray you'll do that this morning. For God is light. He is holy. And one day you will stand before him. And you will either say, hey, I'm here. Look at my life. Look what I've done. And God will say, all unrighteousness. Depart from me. You worker of iniquity, I never knew you. Or you will stand there and you will have nothing of yourself to bring. The only thing you will claim is that Jesus Christ was your righteousness. I sang about earlier that He is your righteousness. You stand in Christ, and you will be forgiven, and you will spend eternity with Jesus. But what you do with Jesus matters. We believe in Jesus. Let's pray. Father, this morning, you have reminded me once again of my sinfulness. God, of my unworthiness or to stand behind this pulpit and to preach the word of God. But yet, God, you have also reminded me that I stand not in my strength, but I stand in the righteousness of Christ because I've been forgiven and saved. Oh, that's what I want for each of us is to be able to say I belong to Jesus. I've confessed turn to Jesus. He is the light of the world, and he has shined into the darkness of my heart. 
want to run from that darkness and I want to walk in the light and I want to live under the rule and reign of Jesus. Oh God, if there is anyone here who is living in outright rebellion of you, may they repent today. May they just come to the altar, get on their knees and cry out to you. Father, maybe we need to take somebody by the hand and we need to say, hey, will you pray with me? Yeah, maybe we send on the way to church and we just need to just thank you this morning for your forgiveness that once again washes away our sins. God, you are light. And that has implications for us. So may we be a people who hate our sin as much as we love our Savior. Who die for those sins. But speak to us now, Father. Move in this place. is open. I'm here at the front if you need prayer. As the Spirit of God works in your heart, you respond this morning. Confess your sin and ask the Lord to forgive you for it. us in a word of prayer in just a moment. Let me remind you that this week upward begins, a practice begins. So uh, there are many who have signed up who will be on our fields, who do not have a church affiliation, who very well may not have a relationship with Christ, and many who maybe think they do, yet they're walking in darkness. So let me now, starting now, begin to pray for those families, that they may come to know and love the what an awesome opportunity we have to, to minister to them and encourage them and share the gospel with them. So let's make that a matter of prayer in our church. David, if you'll come and close us.